Coming so like that social experiment of 10 years behind the bar talking to people and you know coping with them walking mm. through things it kind of like created a space for like okay I have a degree in psychology and I'm interested in it like what's the next step okay I want to be a therapist it came to me pretty organically it's important to um, of course, as a child, I should say specifically to that area, yeah. growing up and having a space to be able to release your emotions and to have yeah. somebody to, well, I guess to, to teach you how to be able to, it's okay to let this out. It's okay yeah. to express how you feel. It's okay to come and talk to me about, hey, maybe at school this may have happened and it made me feel like X, Y, and Z or while I was outside with my friends, yeah. I may have seen this and now I'm acting like this, but... When you leave like your home state or like mm -hmm. your town or like your country, let alone, it's like you're really on your own. Like mm -hmm. I moved to Spain, I knew my host family and that I didn't even know them. Talked to them on Zoom three times before I moved out mm -hmm. there. So it's like you're you're on your own. Yeah. And so like, when you're in a space where like there's no really distractions and there's no one kind of like influencing you, it's just you. Mm -hmm. You have to stand on who you are. But like, if you don't know who you are, you're going to have questions. And so Thanks. I think that I just been in a space like, you know, going through school, like there are parents, there's friends, there's so much influence. And when I was in Spain by myself. Building a legacy. So watch how you study me. You know what's in here. There ain't no comparison. Stacking up guarantee. Movement so militant. Consistent and disciplined. Getting that paper and stacking it up. No time for no chilling, man. Building a legacy. So watch how you study me. You know what's in here, there ain't no comparison, stacking up guarantee. Movement so militant, consistent and disciplined. Getting that paper and stacking it up, no time for no chilling, man. Yo, what's good? You're now tuned back into the Inherited Podcast. Whoever's listening and watching, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. So today's guest, per usual, another special guest for today, we have Miss Courtney Shaw. The founder and creator of the brand Happier Every Day. How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. I feel good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you so came. Nice. I'm glad I'm you like, came. I'm feeling the vibes. Very <laughs> appreciate professional. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. So before I start every podcast, right, just to uh -huh. break the ice, I'm okay. going to pull this car, right? Okay. It's a question on this car. I don't know what it's going to say. Mm -hmm. Nobody does, but I'm going to answer it uh -huh. with you. So you go first and I'm going to answer it next. So let's see. Can I pick my own car? Oh, yeah. Pick your own car. No, I... Pick one. Pick one. Pick one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. Is Let it me see what it says. What it says. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read it out loud. Okay. <clears throat> so, what book belongs on everyone's shelf? Mm, just one, right? Yeah, pick one. I'm gonna think of mine while you uh say yours. Okay. So I have a lot of thoughts about this. So. When I'm thinking about what book belongs on everyone's shelf, like a lot of the books I've read have been like targeted towards like women and just like self-help for like entrepreneurial women. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to think on a more of a broader scale, like everyone, like what? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that comes to mind is 48 Laws of Power. That's a good choice. Um, good choice. That's the first one. And then I'm thinking maybe also Art of Persuasion. Okay. But then they're both kind of in the same realm of just like yeah. mastering like your presentation, um, influence. Mm -hmm. So if I had to pick between the two of those, maybe Art of Persuasion, because I feel like being persuasive, it's like figuring out how to manipulate people in situations mm -hmm. is kind of the key sometimes to getting what you want. And like, it's not always a bad thing either. I think yeah, there's I like a to negative connotation to like manipulation, but I think that um, it can be useful. For sure. So I say that. Sure. That's mine. Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So mine, 
I don't know if I'm going to get the title right, but it's a book by Steve Harvey. I think it's called How to Be a Success. So personally mm-hmm. for me, that book gave me so much motivation to just take it. was pretty much about taking that leap of faith and just yeah. jumping out there on um, whatever vision you may have or that idea just to stop being scared and to know you're never going to find out if it's going to happen unless you try it out and make it happen. So right. that book was a book. I, I mean, I like to read, but for a period of time, especially during the military, I had put books down. You were in the military? Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. What branch? Oh, the Army? Yeah, I was in the Army as what? Went, 20, went in 2014. Okay, so. so quick little story. So I have like a military family. My okay. grandfather was in the military. My mom was in the Army. I was in the Navy and no one ever knows or wow. believes me. And they're like, yeah. well, what the fuck? So <laughs> after I graduated from Georgia State... Um, I was kind of just like in like a gap year that turned into like four gap years. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, bartending at the time, making great money, traveling, living mm-hmm. my best life. And my parents were like, what are you doing? Like, you need to do something. I'm like, I'm enjoying my life. They're like, no, <laughs> like something substantial, right? Before we kind of got on the same page about like what that means actually in life. Yeah. And I think it was like, okay, go to the military. So I'm like, okay, how did the degree. Great choice. I took the ASVAB. Um, I scored really high, and mm-hmm. so I had a degree. I had a high score, and so, like, the job after me was, like, um, what was it? It was, like, my rate. I forgot what it was, but it was something mm. with, like, security clearance and, like, all these I great things. And so they were, like, it's, it's the Navy. Go for it. Like, they're going to make so much money, and you're going to do da-da-da-da-da. So I'm, like, okay, cool. So I enlisted. I swore in, and I think it was maybe a week before <laughs> I left. I'm, like, had a breakdown. I'm like, I can't do this. And so <laughs> I never went to training, but like I enlisted and everything. Word. Like it was set up. Yeah. And I was just like, What was you scared of? I don't think it was more so about being well, okay. Maybe like if I'm being reflective and honest, maybe there was some just fear of the mm. unknown. But I think more so for me, it was just like the way that I view life and success, like mm. it's really rooted in like freedom. And so I just right. felt like I was giving up freedom to go fight for freedom, so to mm-hmm. speak. You know, I'm like, my lifestyle is very open. It's very fluid. I want to be able to have control over my time, where mm-hmm. I go, when I go. I want to have enjoyment and um and fulfillment. And I'm like, I'm not getting any of those things. I'm just getting like, you know, benefits and a paycheck, which are necessary for sure. But then the line with who I, who I am or who I was at the time either. And mm-hmm. so I'm just like... I'm sorry. And it's crazy you, he's talking about uh, this, the freedom, because um, a book that I'm reading now mm-hmm. is called um, Who Not What. <clears throat> and pretty mm-hmm. much the basis of that book is pretty much saying we as people and entrepreneurs, creators and whatnot, we chase pretty much freedom, the freedom of time, right. freedom of finances, freedom of relationships, and just yeah. the freedom to do what you need. But just figuring out to get to those places is really more so about who can help you get there versus you thinking on your own saying, what can I do to get me there? But it just to reflect off of you just saying that about freedom, but it was just ironic. But yeah. um, just to bounce back about to that to that book real quick, that was just my yeah. choice because it, it'll, it'll help propel entrepreneurs, yeah. um, creative, somebody who wants to go out on their own, just have that mindset to do it. So that's why I chose How to Be a Success. So now yeah. that we got the iceberg out of the way, let's get into the, to the meat of the combo, all right? Okay, let's get into it. So I need a shot. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Got a two. Oh, we came in. Yeah, yeah no, that's it. Well, we leave. We have a celebratory shot. We will. Yeah, I don't sure, know why sure. I'm like, because I talk to people all day. Like yeah. I'm a graduate therapist now, so I talk to people literally all mm. day. But it's a it's, different environment. It you know? is. It's different. When I, it's like normally I'm like engaging, but I'm also listening. Like mm. I'm receiving. People are like offloading onto me. It's yeah. never really me talking about me. 
Like, I really don't really talk about me that much at all, ever. But that's what I like to do on this podcast. Yeah. I really want to get, because everybody have a story in the background, right? Yeah, and sure. we all come from somewhere. So that's my goal here to extract that story, because you never know who may be watching, yeah. who's listening. Yeah. Some young girl out here may watch this and hear this, or even a guy, and just say, well, damn, I experienced what she went through, and she's here now. I can do the same thing. So yeah. now this is your chance to do it. So it is. Um, I'm gonna get to the origins, right? So okay. let's let's go back to young Courtney, right? Childhood, <laughs> growing up, like where you grew up. Okay. Um, family wise in the okay. household. So how was your childhood growing up, and what was that like for you as a child? Okay. Um, I think I had a great childhood. Mm-hmm. Like I really wouldn't change much. Um, I wouldn't change anything to be honest. So partly because I feel like everything happens for a reason, and mm-hmm. I, things that happen to you make you who you are. It builds character. It builds story. But also because I just think that I was lucky to grow up when I did. I think I look at children today, like kids who I see in my in my practice and just on internet and like social media, and I'm just like, there's no childhood. Like there are children who are not really having child experiences, mm-hmm. and so I'm lucky and grateful that I grew up. I was born in '92, so I'm 30 now. So I was a, a '90s kid, and like so back then, the it was babies. like before social media. No one really had iPads or cell phones. You went outside or you played or you watched, you know, a little cartoon. But, like, we were active. Like, mm-hmm. I was still remember now, like, being a kid and just, like, walking around my neighborhood with my friends. Like, walking, no cell phone, just being outside. And, like, we came home and it was fine. Like, no one was going to, you know, kidnap you or you weren't worried about being, you know, sex trafficked. You know, it was just um, a really free time. And so I was born in Indiana. That's okay. where I'm from. Gary, Indiana, actually. Okay. Michael Jackson. Well, I say same place as the, yeah. the GOAT. <laughs> same place as MJ. His house is still there, actually. Oh, Word. I've driven past it. So, yeah, it's like barricaded off. You can drive past it. Oh, I can only imagine. Up. They want to tear that. That's like um, no. Martin Luther King crib. It's they like, yeah, it's a staple. Yeah. It's a monument. Um, so from Gary, um, moved to Atlanta with my mom when I was four. My parents met in college. Mm-hmm. My dad came from Jamaica to go to university. So my parents met at Purdue, which is in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I was with my mom. My dad kind of finished school, and I, my mom was my primary caretaker. And so, you know, kind of had the similar background as a lot of us did. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mom, single mom. My dad was around, but I lived with my mom primarily. Mm-hmm. And so that's my best friend, by the way. Like, we're so super Your close. Mom? Oh, yeah. That's we're dope. like this. Like, I, we're, I'm so blessed, yeah. blessed and lucky to have her because it's just like that relationship was just poured into me so much. But moved here when I was four. Um, I went to private school. I went to Maranatha. I don't know if it's still there. It's like, I haven't heard of it before. What was yeah, it? Where it's like is a Christian it Academy. It was kind of Where, like... I went to a Christian Academy really? too. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, uh, Faith Academy from New Birth. Okay. That church, their um, private school. I went there uh, as a kid, but that lasted about a good two, three years, and that was it. I yeah. <laughs> that was actually my home church when I was in um, a high school. was New Birth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so moved here. was four with my mom. And then kind of just, like, had a childhood full of just love mm. and exploration. Like, I'm lucky now that I had a mother who allowed me to be me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the love that we had for each other really transcended, like, what a typical parental role looked like mm-hmm. back then. Because, like, you know, like, now there's, like, the whole gentle parenting thing. And there's, like, people are really big on, like, being mindful of, like, their kids and giving them love and empathy. But I before it was, like, really a big thing. My mm-hmm. mom was always that person for me. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I've been with love my whole life and just like shot with that love my whole life and so I think that I'm just really lucky to have the childhood that so I So how did. was it growing up without your dad being present? Did that 
affect you in any kind of so, way? So not that he wasn't present. He just wasn't in the home with me. Because like you. my dad, uh, Dr. Shaw, finished school. So like PhD program, he was just in school. My mom, you know, was my primary caretaker, but he was around. So like weekends and summers, I was with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually moved to Atlanta for a while when he got married and moved here to Atlanta. And so my sister... My middle sister was born here and he mm-hmm. lived in Smyrna for a while. And so on the weekends, I would see him and then like vacation. So he was always present. Like even now, he was never absent. It mm-hmm. just I wasn't always in the home with him. And so I think that just by virtue of spending more time with my mom, it mm-hmm. feels like, you know, that's my primary caretaker. But he was always present. He always was around. He always remembered my, you know, special occasions. Mm-hmm. He made it a point to to pour into me about education and just things that were important, being a good person. And so, that's great. That's yeah, good. he was definitely, um, it was, a. I would say, and there are things I don't know, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. from my perspective as a child, it was like a modeling co-parent situation. Like they worked together for me. Like they made it happen. I was loved. I was happy. And so. That's good. At least, like, like you say, the fact that he was still showing up for you yeah. despite being in the physical home or not, yeah, that's a blessing in itself because you got Man. some dads, you know, they're deadbeats. They don't show up to any games, any recitals, yeah. don't even call, don't even send any financial resources or nothing. Man. So the fact that you didn't have both parents in a household but had both parents in a household, yeah, that's a, a, a one-up because, again, like I had both parents in the household, right? Yeah. But Sometimes it felt like I didn't have both parents in the household because mm-hmm. growing up, it was such a struggle. Everybody was out, spread it out, trying to make ends meet. So by yes. the time you came back home, it was either you know, bedtime or people tired, just no communication. But yeah. they both were there. But it was like, hey, it would have been, of course, a lot, whole lot better where you had the support, the love, the guidance and stuff. But it was just, you know, you can't blame people for what they go through sometimes. Yeah. And it was just circumstances, you know. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, like I said, I'm of the belief now that like everything happens for a reason. But also just like now that I am an adult and Mm -hmm. like I'm working with children, just realizing that we really didn't give our parents enough like grace, I feel like sometimes. Like I think that we move through life and we're the center of our world, our universe, right? And Mm -hmm. like rightfully so because like we don't know much different. We're born with ourselves. And so we kind of look through our own scope. But being able to... Identify with what your parents were going mm-hmm. through. Like I couldn't. I'm 30. My mom had me when she was 21. I couldn't imagine now having a kid and yeah. working and going to school. Like all I have is me, and I'm just like, phew, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm doing a lot with just me, and so I can't imagine when it's like being a young parent and balancing and still finding yourself. Like 21 years old. Like when I was 21. Yeah, just imagine the moms <laughs> who have kids at 16 and. Man. 13 and some younger than that, it, it could be a, a, a struggle, like seriously. But so yeah. it seems as if, of course, of course, growing up, it wasn't um, horrible for you. But did yeah. you experience any rough times or was the household and just growing up just all peachy for you? Were there times where you, you guys did actually experience struggle that kind of affected you to who you are now and to this yeah. day? Yeah. Hmm. Let me think about that because I, I feel like... I didn't have, like, the vocabulary to name this when I was a no, child, right? Huh? But, like, now in hindsight, I feel like it's less about what happens to you, but, mm-hmm. like, how you perceive it. Mm, People good. often say, oh, it's how you respond to it. Like, yeah, but the response comes after the perception. So, mm-hmm. like, you can't respond to what you don't aren't aware of or what you don't mm-hmm. notice. And so I'm, sh- I'm sure there were times when, like, things were rough or, like, money was tight. But 
I kind of moved through life with like, you know, rose tinted glasses, I think, mm-hmm. for some point, because there was just so much love that overshadowed the things that weren't great. Now, there were like disagreements and arguments and I would get on punishment and I would get in trouble, like, mm-hmm. you know, kid shit. But I don't really recall like ever feeling like, wow, this is like a really traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child, I don't remember that. Of course, it's like growing pains, like, you know, friendships that don't last. I'm like, yeah, your sure, first sure. crush, your first, your first heartbreak, like things that we would expect to happen. Um, but nothing is jumping out at, at me as just like, wow, this is really traumatic. But I think that might be because sometimes I don't always lean into, you know, the parts that are hurtful sometimes. Have you always like, been that way? In hindsight, I think I have. Like, I can name that now, but I think as a child, like, I would always, because, like, you know, just having two households, like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents were not together, my father remarried, so now I have a stepmom, I have step siblings, it's a, a different household. That alone, just the adjustment of, you know, of that, mm-hmm. there were times when it was like uncomfortable, you know, but I think that I was like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I kind of was just yeah. like pushing down those emotions or like avoiding dealing with them. Um, which was my way of coping in the in the moment, but mm-hmm. also like because I coped in that way, I didn't really let it affect me, and so I wasn't affected by it. So now, well, in I mean, hindsight, though, do you yeah. think that was healthy for you to cope that yeah, way? Yeah. So I was gonna say, in hindsight, <laughs> <laughs> um, in hindsight, it could have been healthier. I'm yeah. sure if I had like the tools I have now, and if you know, just the awareness that I have now, like being in in the mental field, mental health field. I probably could have used like a space to process, but my mm-hmm. mom offered that to me. But I think in the moment I was just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. It was just me avoiding that feeling of uncomfortableness. And I think because like there was so much love mm-hmm. and like for the most part and joy that like I attached to that. And so things that didn't feel like love and joy, I'm like, nope, I'm not dealing with it, mm-hmm. which is not the healthiest, but it got me to where I am now. And I've had a chance to process and go through it. And I think that processing it now as an adult yeah. is probably better than I would have handled it as a child. Because that's it's important to, um, of course, as a child, to say specifically to that area, yeah. growing up and having a space to be able to release your emotions and to yeah. have somebody to... Well, I guess to, to teach you how to be able to, it's okay to let this out. It's okay yeah. to express how you feel. It's okay to come and talk to me about, hey, maybe at school this may have happened and that made me feel like X, Y, and Z or while I was outside with my friends. Yeah. I may have seen this and now I'm acting like this. But in a lot of households, especially back then from our parents' generation, yeah. what it was a recession going on back then and the financial crash and all that, <laughs> it was probably damn near too hard for some parents to give that attention to their child. Yeah. Hence, that's why there may be so many kids in our age now where you're adults now yeah. have grown up with so many bad traumas and don't yeah. know how to deal with it. Because for me, before I started going to counseling, I didn't know what it was or how, like what it meant to express your emotions to get, to heal from it, shall yeah. I say. It was, it just didn't, growing up, it was just, you just go through it. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's what's happening. Going. It happened. You feel how you feel. And that was it. There wasn't, there wasn't any, okay, so how did this make you feel? Or why do you think you feel like this? Or why do you act like that? But I just feel now and today, um, and God willing, if I have children, I, that's a priority, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to, I really want to sit them down and just say, hey, how are you feeling today? You know, yeah. like what's going on in your life that you want to, of course, you can always tell a child, you can tell me everything, but knowing they're not going to tell you everything. Yeah. But <laughs> just at least have that door, that lane open for somebody to do that. Is always great, but touching on mental health. So you're in the mental yeah. health field. Yeah, yeah. What 
drew you to say, hey, I want to jump into this field of, of work and to pursue this. So what was it that made you just click and say, this is for me and this yeah. is where I'm going full force? You know, I think it happened very organically for me. Mm -hmm. And like, I can appreciate that because like, I think that oftentimes in this country, it's like we have like a track, right? Mm -hmm. High school, college, and then start working or Facts. like, you know, you're the, ne the next step. And so a lot of times, like, you know, you're 17, you don't know. You're just like, all right, well, I'll just pick this because I'm supposed to. Um, so I went to... Georgia State. Well, I went to Hampton first, mm -hmm. Tallahassee, Hampton. Um, and then I ended up transferring to Georgia State for my senior year. And that's mm -hmm. where I graduated from with a degree in psychology. Because I've always been interested in, like, people and, like, how and why do we do the things that we do? Like, mm -hmm. I love people watching. I just love, like, observing. I just love understanding, like, okay, why did, so why did you do this? Like this? Yeah, <laughs> like, why? What was the meaning behind them? What was the purpose behind that? And so I've always had a love for just, like, knowing, understanding people, like, mm -hmm. better. So I had my degree in psych, but I was a little burnt out after um, college. And so I took my, you know, gap year that turned into seven. Mm -hmm. And I just spent time traveling and bartending. And the thing that people don't realize is like, Bartending honestly like pushed me into therapy. Really? There are so many similarities people don't consider with bartending. Like for one, like people are coming to you for all reasons. Something great happens, go into the bar. Something bad happens, go into the bar. Mm. Birthdays, anniversaries, divorces. Like I've seen like and that. heard everything behind the bar. And it's like free therapy for them because I'm behind the bar. I'm not leaving. Like that's like my workstation and you're sitting there. So you're not leaving. So now we're just face to face mm -hmm. for hours. And I think that through that, talking to people for like a decade of bartending, mm -hmm. that's a decade of talking to people. Sometimes I would talk to maybe 500 people a week. Sheesh. That's like a low number, like the bar you're in and out. So 500 a week for 10 years. I've been talking to a lot of people. Lot and so people. I think that what happens is you pick up on social cues, nonverbal cues. Mm -hmm. You pick up on what people need from you. Like, okay, you learn how to respond. Mm -hmm. Not that it's a performance, but I just learn what people need from me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so like that social experiment of 10 years behind the bar talking to people and, you know, coping with them, walking mm -hmm. through things, it kind of like created a space where I'm like, okay. I have a degree in psychology and I'm interested in it. Like, what's the next step? Okay, I want to be a therapist. It came to me pretty organically. And then the next step was, okay, graduate program so I can actually know what I'm talking about. Mm. And to that point, like, I love how, like, I feel like there's a buzzword of mental health right now. Like, that's kind of like it the is. thing. You know, mental health, self-care, boundaries, and those are all great. And I support it and I love it. But at the same time, I feel like there's not many people who are really, like, super educated on like how to help someone mm -hmm. like just the act of talking through something is helpful in general so like it, we're on the right track but there's not many of us who are really educated with like mm -hmm. skills interventions how to do treatment plans how to diagnose disorders like we're just kind of talking through our feelings and that's helpful but i wanted to be able to kind of lean in with a little more substance and more education rather than just like leading with feelings but if we're being honest there gotcha, was a moment gotcha. for me that was like pivotal. So after, you know, I was in the Navy and that went to shit, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to go live abroad. So I moved to Spain. I found this like teaching program where That's I could hard. go live abroad. Um, I think I may have been like, let me see, I graduated at 21, I think, 22, 23. 
Mm-hmm. Um, moved to Spain. I found this program. I was living with the host family. There were four kids in the family. My job was to teach them English during the week. And I had the weekends at Friday and then the weekends off. And mm-hmm. so I just traveled every weekend. I was like, Amsterdam, I'm going to London. Because like once you're across the pond, the flights are cheap. I'm going from Spain to London. <laughs> oh, passport going up. crazy. <laughs> but like you're going from like all these countries for like 50 bucks, 60 bucks, you know? So it's nothing. And so... There was one night in particular, I called my mom crying. It was like two o'clock in the morning where I was. So God only knows how much time it was here in the U.S. And I'm just like, what is the purpose of life? And mm. she was, first she was like, are you okay? Like what? It's two o'clock in the morning. The same yeah, thing. You like you, you question call like me. That. That's a deep one, right? She was like, what? I'm like, what's the purpose? I'm young. I'm, I made great money bartending. I'm here. I'm making money. I'm traveling the world. I'm I'm working with this incredible host family having these great experiences. I'm like, but is it enough? Mm-hmm. Like, is that enough? What is that? The That can't be all there is to life is enjoyment because then Facts. like, why are we here? Facts. Um, and so I had this really existential moment at like 24, you know, in my room, in my, in the basement <laughs> of this, you know, house I was staying in in Spain about like, why are we here? And I think that we talked through it and we landed on Somewhere along the lines of like each person has to contribute something to this earth. Like you have to leave some mark behind. That Mm -hmm. mark might be like you have the child that inspires the next X, Y, and Z. It might be like your craft. It might be your mind. It might be your voice. It might be something. And so I'm like, okay, I have to contribute or I should contribute something to this earth. Make it a better place in in some way. And so I kind of kept that with me. So then I came home from Spain. I was there for um, a semester. Came home. COVID hit it like a year and a half later. Everyone's at home. People are going stir crazy. And there was kind of like this energy of like people were realizing that like no one was really happy before. We were just existing. They had that time to sit down. Yeah. Like once you stop moving, you're like, oh, damn. Like, what do I do? Who who am I if I'm not working 40 hours a week? Mm -hmm. My kids are at school, you know, all day. Now they're here. Who are my children even? Like, who are we? Mm -hmm. We're not even in the same space together. I see you in the morning. You go to school all day. You come home. I see you on the weekends, maybe if you're not out with your friends. Yep. So it's like there was kind of this realization that happened where people were like, I don't really know like what I am, who I want, am I happy? And so in that space, I kind of just, it just clicked for me, honestly. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm we're in a place where people need support. People need help. People need services to help them walk through their traumas. People need freedom of mm-hmm. their of their mind, really. Not even just time, like freeing your mind and it kind of just came to me organically mm-hmm. and I sat on the idea for about a year and then one day I just applied into my program I'm like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna apply there you go I'm just gonna apply and do <laughs> there it there you go <laughs> and so um I applied and said both the programs I I got to both the programs I applied to and then I'm like all right fuck it, let's do it. so just to take it back a little bit yeah. so that moment when you said you called home to your mom right yeah was there a, a a situation that happened, or was there somebody you spoke to? Like, what, what provoked it? that thought to just you just because that's I mean, <laughs> calling somebody at that time of the day, like no matter what time it was, that question is just profound. Of like, it's really I would have the same response. Are you okay? Yeah. When you're speaking about purpose of life, sometimes people ask that they're on the edge of not Something, wanting to yeah. experience life anymore. So, what yeah. provoked that question for you to ask it? Like, where were you in your life at that point, and where it's like, man. Either am I enough? Am I here for no reason? Like, what am I doing? So yeah. what was it that happened? If you can't remember. Yeah, um, I can remember generally. I think I think it's just, excuse me. Mm-hmm. 
when you leave like your home state or mm-hmm. like your town or like your country, let alone, it's like you're really on your own. Like mm-hmm. I moved to Spain. I knew my host family and that I didn't even know them. Talked to them on Zoom three times before I moved out mm-hmm. there. So it's like you're you're on your own. And yeah. so like, when you're in a space where like there's no really distractions and there's no one kind of like influencing you, it's just you. Mm-hmm. You have to stand on who you are. But, like, if you don't know who you are, you're going to have questions. And so Thanks. I think that I just been in a space, like, you know, going through school. Like, there are parents, there's friends, there's so much influence. And when I was in Spain by myself, it's like, it's just me mm-hmm. with my thoughts. And, like, who are you? Who do you want to be? And mm-hmm. I just didn't know. And so I think I spiraled from, like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? To, like, well, like, why are we even here? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think it just was the transition of being able to just decide what I wanted to do every weekend or like, you know, there's just, there wasn't much to do, but be reflective. And so mm-hmm. I had many nights just like the kids are asleep, like the, the host parents, they're, you know, at work or they're asleep also. It was just me with mm-hmm. my thoughts. And I kind of just spiraled into like, okay. And I think also I was feeling guilty because like, here I am like in another country, I'm traveling on the weekends, I'm making money. Like I have this great life, right? Mm-hmm. And I just really wasn't fulfilled. Like I was enjoying life, but I wasn't fulfilled. And so I'm like, wow, if I'm doing exactly what I want, you know, people are like, oh my God, that's so great. You're having like, oh, I'm so jealous. You're doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's great. But why does it not feel so great? That's and I crazy. think because it was it was just selfish. I was having, I was in my life and I was only existing for me at the mm-hmm. time. Didn't have any children besides the ones that I was teaching, but those aren't my kids, yeah. you know? And so just kind of wanted to get outside of myself and mm-hmm. it kind of, I don't know, once I start thinking, it just be like. And I think, um, cause for me personally, just cause off of what you said, time of solitude is important. Yeah. Like, cause that what changed me when I, um, coming from Decatur, running around in the streets and just being in that lifestyle for so, so, so long and then making a choice, one, to go to college, dropped out, and then come back home, back to that, and but then just uproot yeah. and go to the military. When I tell you I had so much time, because it was, I knew nobody. Yeah. I was by myself, yeah. a whole different world, but it just put me to a mindset of, this is an opportunity to do a total 360 and just change your life, right? Yeah. And I just remember one time we were, before we even got to, um, we were just doing the end processing and whatnot. But during that end processing, they really starved us from sleep for like 48 hours. So by the time we was able to go to sleep, we was in a room with all these bunks in the room, right? And then there was this one kid who, um, it was his first time being away from family, his girlfriend, his mom. He was only 18 years old, but he was already married. He he lost it. He yeah. uh wanted to commit suicide. So he was on suicide watch. In the first 48 hours. The first 48 hours. So they had to took all his shoestrings and he had to have shoes with no strings. He couldn't have any nothing that can he can hang himself with. But just in, in that, it was somebody in that barracks who was just talking shit about him and and just going crazy. But and I reacted to it, but I had to think, like, I was just telling him, like, you know, just leave, leave the kid alone and we here for a purpose yeah. and we all gotta be a leader. But I was saying it. But I didn't believe I was saying it because the usual me, it was just like, all right, something is happening. Let me mind my business. Yeah. But because I was in that solitude and just felt that that instinct to change, yeah. it brought out a sense of leadership in me. It brought yeah. out a sense of care more about who's beside you. But so I just feel, and I tell my friends this, um, you should experience a point in your life to where cut people off, not in a, a bad way of saying, we're not cool anymore. We're not friends. It's yeah. just... You need time to be by yourself to figure out who you are, 
what it is you really want to do in life and mm-hmm. to at least get some kind of pinpoint on your purpose in life. But yeah. you won't be able to do that with the distractions, with all the loudness in your ears, the going out, like just that point of solitude, it would change a person. And it sounds like that happened for you when you was yeah. taken out of your environment yeah. and you was by yourself and you just had that kumbaya moment of like, Mom, yeah. what is the purpose of life? So <laughs> that, it's just wild that that happens. So I think that's important for people and especially kids. So how do yeah. you feel if there was a child right now dealing with, because everybody has trauma, right? We all, something has happened in the past or in the present that have affected us in some kind of way. So for a child, how do you feel that's important for them to deal with that and have that solitude for a kid from a mental health aspect? Yeah. Um, You said something that I wanted to touch on Mm -hmm. real quick. Um, A lot of things that I was just like, oh, yes. So I think you mentioned like when you were in the room with all of the, Mm -hmm. you know, bunks and like you kind of just like said something you wouldn't have normally said maybe. Mm -hmm. I think that like there's a, a level of like, and you were a how old when this happened? I was 24, I want to say, 23, 24, maybe. Okay. Um, so developmentally, like your brain is not even done developing until mm-hmm. you're 25. So you were like kind of creeping on like that point of like becoming who you, probably just becoming who you were going to be. Like mm-hmm. when you're 18, 17, you're really not your whole self because you're still developing. But I think that in solitude, that's when it happens. Mm-hmm. And like, it, so I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago and we were just saying like, you can party seven days a week until mm-hmm. 6 a.m. every single day in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many distractions in Atlanta. Like, it's not crazy. even considering social media, just like the city, like physically, like yeah. going to do whatever, drink, smoke, hookah, club, sorry, lounge, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there is so much happening that I think that it's almost a disservice to us. Like, and I'm, and I then agree. I like, I'm, I'll get on my path. But I'm like, I'm wondering because like Atlanta is like the black Mecca. There are so many Mm -hmm. black people here. I was actually reading the statistics with the majority. I think there's like 48% like black um, or um, black people of color in Mm -hmm. America, in Atlanta compared to like 41% of them are like white or Caucasian, like in the metro Atlanta area. So I'm like, and there are no other really states or cities where like they have the same culture, like maybe Miami, but not like where it's like black and thriving. And, like, yeah, black Atlanta ownership. is that Atlanta spot. Atlanta is that yeah. spot. But now I'm just like, I'm wondering if the reason why there is so much distraction is because like they're allowing a space for us to be distracted. Mm. Like if, because like most countries and co- most like, um, not countries, counties don't allow there to be like clubs lounges on every single corner. So I'm wondering if like they want to have a distracted stay because there are so many of us here. I mean, you, you could, everybody has an agenda sometimes, yeah. but again, that could play on just the, the black culture, right? A lot of people, there are a lot of black businesses in Atlanta, don't get me wrong, but sure. some people at the top who aren't black, who build on some of these businesses know in order to get these people to spend those dollars from what we're seeing for their culture, we're going to put the stuff in front of their faces, <laughs> right. right? We're going to put these clubs, uh, liquor store on every corner in the hood. Yeah. But all this stuff is strategic. So it's I, yeah. sometimes I feel like, even that's to the point of having a liquor store on every corner in, in the hood. Yeah. This not black owned. Exactly. It's like, at least like, <laughs> Don't have them everywhere, but at least have it be to be black yeah. owned, right? To put just keep our dollars circulating to our yeah. own in our own environment. But it just does it does a disservice to us as people, right? Yeah. Everybody doesn't have that mental fortitude or that mental toughness to say no, like no. To, to be able to turn their head against the 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 temptations and all that stuff that comes with life. Because sure. I, I even had to learn myself, but I learned it through fasting and prayer, right? Mm. So fasting and just helped me build up that. 
the will to say, you know what, I may want to do this, I may want to do that, but no, I'm okay. So yeah. just spending that time of starving your flesh, I, I advise everybody to do it uh, yeah. every now and then. And it also helped me mentally as far as when I got out of the military, my job, my MOS was a 13 mic, and all we did were we were responsible for shooting long-distance rockets, right? So think about that, doing that, and then coming back home to the civilian life. What job can I do in the city <laughs> that can yeah. shoot rockets, right? So yeah. through a period of time, there was depression. There was um, anxiety. So I had to figure out how do I deal with this? I never felt it before. I mean, of course, growing up, you had times where I was upset this and that. But I, that was the first time in my life I really felt like, yo, I have nothing else to do now because this is all I knew for the past years of my life was these rockets, getting yeah. up at 5 a.m. every morning, working out, eat, formation, every day, same thing, same thing, same thing. So coming yeah. back home, it took me through a mental Adjustment. trip. Yeah. Like, um, I see it a lot. Like, even in, to your point, like our mm -hmm. veterans who come home, like there's not enough support um, for our veterans. And not, not just like physically, but just like mental health support. Like mm -hmm. PTSD is real. It's serious. But to your point about PTSD, yes, as a veteran. As a black person that's living in this country, whether you're a veteran or not, whether you've been deployed or not, mm -hmm. we experience PTSD on the daily. Like mm -hmm. for me, I'm not a criminal. I don't really have like any like criminal past. Nothing terrible ever happened to me. Whenever I see a cop drive past mm -hmm. me, I my heart starts beating mm -hmm. fast. And like I know plenty of people who are like that and that's fucked up and it's not normal. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking, oh, it's just a cop. I'm on edge. Like my white friends at school, they don't. Right. Don't even look twice, mm -hmm. and I haven't even had any bad experiences with cops. But I we've been seeing it, and so there's a download it. I did a um a paper actually last semester. There's a, a scale called the heightened awareness scale, mm -hmm. the heightened vigilance awareness scale. Um, that essentially it measures how black people, how our experiences as black people, whether it's from discrimination or racism, affects you on daily life. So even if you're not experiencing the trauma yourself, having access to it, having it be playing on your phone, on the mm -hmm. TV, like that image lives in your brain. Your brain can't That's tell the difference right. between you seeing it and being there because it's like you're experiencing it viscerally. And mm -hmm. so just the fact that when someone, you know, killed or, you know, police brutality, we're seeing the bodies on our screens, on TV, and we're playing them over and over again. Anything that happens, it's like, you know, bad or in mm -hmm. this country to black people, they like, they advertise it, they show it. And like a part of it is awareness and I understand that, but a part of it is like that image lives in your psyche. Mm -hmm. And so like they're really creating fear because we're going through the world or, you know, through our cities, through our country thinking, okay, this happened to this person last mm -hmm. week and like it could happen to me. Facts. Even though I think that in the, in the depth of my mind, I don't think that like I'll have a bad experience with the cop. I still just get anxiety when mm -hmm. I see them. And so... That's a form of PTSD, and I haven't even had anything traumatic happen mm -hmm. to me with the cops. And so to your point of being a veteran and coming home, just existing in this country, we're living through PTSD. It's tough, man. It's, it's, tough. it's really tough. And I think to another point, and I think that now the stigma's changing for a long time, like getting like mental help was like frowned upon in our in our country, in our sure in our culture for sure. It's like, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, you need help. You're, you know, you're strong, just push through it. And, like, while I think that we are a very resilient and strong people, like, we shouldn't have to rely on that. Like, mm -hmm. that shouldn't be what we are. Our default is, oh, I'm fine. I'm strong. Like, we are strong, but you deserve help. You deserve to talk Facts. to somebody. And I think that we also think that, oh, therapy is not going to help me. 
It's the farthest from the truth, guys. Man, it's, it's farthest it's from the, the truth. It's the farthest from the truth. Like, there is empirical evidence of, like, going to counseling if you're consistent. Like, just holding that space with someone. And many people have never had someone they can be vulnerable with in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had a mom who was in a dad who was there for me. But even still, like, there are some thoughts you just don't share. We're just, like, you just feel that these are my personal thoughts. And mm-hmm. someone who you know... Who loves you, yes, but like you still know them. You still feel shame about sharing certain things. Like right. feeling feel like you may not be equipped to handle X, Y, and Z. Or just feeling like you may not know X, Y, and Z. Or even just feeling like, okay, am I enough? There's mm-hmm. all kind of thoughts that you just don't. There's personal thoughts. And being vulnerable is hard. But mm-hmm. talking to a counselor, someone who you don't know, for me, it's like... There's a lightness there. Like, I'm not worried about being judged by yes. ex, by you. I'm not worried about, you know, to understand, like, your thoughts about me because I'm here for help and you're here to help me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a part of why I wanted to go into mental health. I mm-hmm. feel like we need it the most and we don't always have access to it. So does a therapist see a therapist? Yes. It's like <laughs> it's a requirement for the field, like, because there's burnout. Because people yeah. are, like, offloading their issues and their problems onto you on the daily. Like, that's a lot to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with children now. I'm under a, a play therapy site. So I've been with children this entire summer during my internship. And luckily, there's not, like, really severe trauma where I am now. Mm-hmm. But just, like, holding the space for, like, people to come to you, children to come to you with, like, their fears and their social anxieties and just their thoughts mm-hmm. about, am I good enough? Five and six years old. Like, it's starting early. That's wild. It's, it's a lot to hold sometimes. And so burnout can be real. And so, yes, having a therapist as a therapist is important because you're still human. Like, Facts. you have your therapist hat, but, like, you're still a person underneath all exactly. of that. Exactly. So, um, you working with children, was that by choice or that was just something yeah. that came from? Yeah. Um, it was. So, I had to, my internship, my program requires me to have an internship where mm-hmm. I have to have so many hours of supervised um, practicing. So, I applied to a play therapy site. I applied to a few sites, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to have the experience of working with children because I'm not really sure of my demographic yet. And so I I chose to be where I am now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, it can be a lot. You know, I love (laughs) children. I've always been like, you know, I've always loved kids, but working with children in that space, especially if you're in a space where like your children are like having trauma or like they've been sexually assaulted, Mm -hmm. it's like, Holding that space when you have a compassionate, empathetic heart is just difficult. Um, and this, like, confidentiality. And a lot of the times, like, it's the environment. Mm-hmm. When you're a child, you're just, like, absorbing and, like, projecting your environment. Right. And so True. it's it's the parents that may be creating this, this system of whatever. And so, like, treating a child but then not treating their parents, it's like, I'm doing the work with the kid and they're going back home to, to you. Yeah. And now we're cycling. And so, but also it's like, even if they just have that space for an hour with me, mm-hmm. It's so helpful. It's so Something better than better them than not having that. Sure. Yeah, but it just it can be heavy to feel like, am I doing enough? Mm. Or like, what's next? Do you deal with that as far as like questioning yourself? Like, am I, what, what I'm doing and pro- providing yeah. for this child, is it working or am I fit for this spot? Do you deal with um, thoughts of that nature? Not so much am I fit for it because like I am determined and I know this is what I want to do. But I often struggle with like imposter syndrome. Mm. Like... I've, you know, I graduate in May, so I'm almost done with my program. Congratulations so I, to you. Thank I know you're you. Get it done. I'm going by quickly. I'm happy that <laughs> I'm happy that I'm happy and I'm nervous because I'm just like, wow, like it's finally here. Yeah, it's yeah. finally here. But also I just feel like there's this anxiety of like wanting to do good mm-hmm. and knowing that like it's a delicate situation. Like people's mental health and their most private thoughts, that's a mm-hmm. lot to hold. There's like trust that happens there. Not wanting to do a disservice to my client, but not wanting mm-hmm. to like, you know, burden myself and get burnt out. So it can be a lot. But back to working with children, it's just 
I often question, like, is this helpful? Like, children are often taught to be polite, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, there's a there's a genuineness that children have, but, like, often also they're, they're, um, they're influenced from a very young age and socialized to be polite to adults especially. So mm-hmm. it's, like, sometimes they'll say things and I'm, like, I don't think you... Not I don't think you mean that, that I'm the judge of your thoughts, but I can just see that there's mm-hmm. something else that you're not sharing with me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some children are not taught that adults are safe. They're taught that adults are not safe. And so they're going to put on their smile and they're going to say X, Y, and Z when the reality may be ABC. Mm-hmm. And so am I being effective? Is this working? Do you need this? Like, what do you need from me? But also, like, children are children. They don't have vocabulary to express themselves sometimes. Like, you know, they they may, they have feelings, yes, but like they don't have the words to verbalize what that feeling means or, you know, and so it's, it's just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. You just spoke, you, one thing that um, set me off, not set me off, but you said upon graduation, <clears throat> excuse me, you're feeling anxiety. Yeah. So for you personally, how do you deal with anxiety or if you've ever experienced states of yeah. depression or down? So how do you get through those down moments in your life? Like, what are the techniques or uh, methods that you use to help yourself out mentally in those areas? Right. Um. So definitely um, have a lot of anxious moments. Like, mm-hmm. I think we all do with anxiety. For me, I have gotten to a point where like, I've just become comfortable with it. And that mm-hmm. might sound like that's the opposite of comfort, which is anxiety. Yeah. But <laughs> for me, it's just really grounding myself in that moment. So, like, let's just say that something happened and my response to it is just like, a really large response. Like mm-hmm. I hold my anxiety in my body. So when I get anxious, like I feel it. Like I, my, my palms get clammy. Like my mm-hmm. heart starts beating fast. I just feel like a pit. I can feel it in my body. And so for me, like mindfulness, like taking a minute, like deep breathing, mm-hmm. calming down and like really evaluating the situation. A lot of the times, like we create scenarios or we create responses and it's really what we create that really creates more anxiety <laughs> than what's actually yes, happening. that is true. So just like, being present, deep mm-hmm. breathing, and like asking myself, okay, really, what is what's happening right mm-hmm. now? Like, not what do you think is gonna happen, or like what you you know thought was gonna happen. Like, what is happening right now? Like, and just having that awareness for me, I can kind of just like slow down time and just mm-hmm. really be present. And that probably doesn't sound very helpful because it sounds like very like ideal, but like that's truly what I do. I just take a moment and just I like mean, step back and breathe and be present with what's happening. That's great advice because, well, to me, I learned that everything you just said from word for word, I learned that through meditation, right? Mm-hmm. So going through a journey of um learning about what meditation is and how to meditate, it taught me, taught me that it's okay to have the thoughts you're having, right? Yeah. They're, they're going to come regardless, but yeah. have your thoughts acknowledge your thoughts, you know, sit with them for a minute, but you have to eventually let them go. Because again, like yesterday I did a podcast with a friend and he was speaking about this. And I was just saying, us as people, sometimes we'll have a thought, maybe a bad thought, and we'll say in our thoughts, well, because this is happening, this may happen. And if that may happen, then I'm going to be here. And if I end up here, then this going to happen. But it's just like this whole thought train is going to keep going and going and going. And you'll wake yeah. up tomorrow the next day, the next week, next month, and none of it happens. It never happens. But this yeah. is what I'm to say. Living in the present is the best thing that you can do. It's yeah. tough to try to do that, it's but really it's the best thing anybody can do if, well, to get into meditation. But just acknowledging where you are right now, where your two feet are right now, just yeah. being there, it'll relieve so much anxiety, some of your depression, because it's just that the brain is the most powerful thing to me in us, right? Yeah. And that controls a lot. So 
trying to trick yourself or letting your brain trick you into thinking tragedy is coming and so much devastation, yeah. it could that can kill people. And it can. It, it's tough for doing that. I think like a lot of times like anxiety is what happens when like your brain is controlling your thoughts, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Like when you allow, and, and it can be difficult for sure because sometimes we just have like visceral reactions to things that are just immediate. Like something mm -hmm. happens and like you just, it just happens. But being able to control your thoughts, like whatever angers you controls you, whatever feels you, mm -hmm. fears you controls you. So it's like taking time and then that comes with solitude for me. Like being alone mm -hmm. with yourself, you get a better control over yourself. A lot of Fresh. people turn to like, you know, outside things. Maybe it might be substances. Maybe it might be social media. It might be certain vices that they have that they cope with like what's going on. But like when you can have solitude and be in control of your mind, like that's when that control to be able to say, okay, I'm having anxiety about this right now. Maybe present and be, mm -hmm. and be grounded in this moment. And like, not that it's going to go away, but it it, hel it helps over time. Like it'll subside and you'll get, mm -hmm. you'll get better at controlling what's happening. So how do you feel body. about meditation? Are you an advocate for that or do you take things from that and go alternative route? Yeah. What are your thoughts about meditation? I think that like meditation and mental health, like there are lots of like parallels to it mm -hmm. because even with you just now when you were describing how you meditate, like mindfulness is a big part of mental health, like mm -hmm. being able to be present and be, be aware. A lot of times like people just are not aware of themselves or of other things. We're moving through life, we're working, we're busy, we're, we're having, you know, taking care of a family of kids, social life. And we're just kind of on go. We're not ever actually present and like aware of like what's actually mm -hmm. happening. Like, what does this mean? Maybe someone cuts you off in traffic and you're like, oh, like that person is so rude. That, that person could be rushing to the hospital. That person could be rushing to, Facts. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not that it makes it okay, but just like having an awareness of like what's actually happening. And so for me with meditation, it's about like going inward. Mm -hmm. Like I've tried it a few times. How did it turn out for you? You sound, uh, <laughs> you sound like you're uh, I'm going to keep trying. I don't yeah. think that I've mastered it yet, but actually, okay, I had one experience. It scared me. So I was in my room. I had just got off work. Um, it was late. I was tired. And so I'm like, let me take a shower and just relax. I'm like, you know, I'm going to meditate before I go to sleep. So mm -hmm. it was pitch black. I had my yoga mat out. I was like, you know, in the pose, like, Internet you know, very, very moment. zen yeah. of what, what I think meditation <laughs> looks like. Wasn't working. Mm. So I just laid down on my yoga mat, closed my eyes, and just tried to be still. Let me just, like, be still. Just, like, clear my mind. Let me just not have any thoughts at all. Like, mm. not thinking about being zen. Not thinking about this. Don't have any thoughts at all. And I just laid there. And, like, I kind of felt myself drifting. Mm. And, like, I felt like I stepped into, like, and this is going to sound crazy. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> I felt myself slip into another dimension mm. almost. Like, yeah, I could feel that I wasn't where I, I don't even know how to say Like an out-of-body experience kind of? It felt inner body. Like, it felt like, so I'm laying down, my eyes are closed. I, I'm not having any thoughts. I'm still, I just like slipped into like another realm where I just felt alone and mm -hmm. vulnerable. Like, it just felt like I haven't been here before. Like, wherever mm -hmm. I was, I had not been there before. And like, I jumped up and I'm like, oh, fuck that. I'm done. I'm not doing, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying this anymore because it was uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's what meditation is. Maybe I was like, you know, just tired and I like, maybe, I don't so know. You was deep in I feel like <laughs> I haven't felt that ever again in my life. Like, it was Afterwards, such a surreal experience. Hate it or did you have a like, maybe I want to feel this again? Or was it just like, nah. I don't want to experience another beginning in my life. This was maybe two or three years ago. And so like this being a little more like emotionally like aware and like mm -hmm. just having a little bit more emotional intelligence now, 
maybe I should try it again because I can handle it. But in the moment, like I just felt myself shift into another space that just mm. felt vulnerable. And I just felt like if I was afraid. I'm like, mm-hmm. where am I? What's what's happening? And I even like hearing myself say it out loud, it sounds crazy. <laughs> like I know it sounds wild, but um that's it don't how sound it felt. wild to me though. Just because okay. I think about stuff like that all the time and it's just we live in a, a, a crazy world, right? Yeah. And it's so right. much around us that goes on that we don't know about. Yeah. And of course there's a the spiritual realm of things as well. Yeah. And it's just like for someone to say, like for you to say that you experience something like that, it's not hard to believe. There's a, a physical, and of course some may believe or not, there's a spiritual. So you may have just not out of intentionally yeah. just drifted into a space to where you sure may have did. been trying to go when you first started to meditate and you yeah. thought... Oh, it's not working. Once you actually just actually relax like you were supposed to do, you made it, but it was... Yeah, it was overwhelming. I I, yeah. I, I believe you. I feel that probably is what happened. But when I got there, I was just like, oh, nah. I was I was just trying to be cute and be zen and like have my eyes closed. <laughs> and then I slipped into a place where I'm like... Oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I, I believe like that there's like spiritual, that there's yeah. physical. I think that there are different realms that we exist mm-hmm. in. I mean, this is the fact that there are like things that we can't see, like light beams and like lasers yeah. that are existing right now that we just can't even see. That I know there's another dimension that we can go to, but yeah, it was scary. But I should revisit it though because I've heard good things about it. I've heard that it like puts you. It helps your focus. It mm-hmm. helps like your attention span. It helps just like your mindfulness and just helps like your mood regulation. So I should try I, I encourage but... you to. Even myself, I don't do it as much as I used to, but I just hang on to the the things I learned from it yeah. and utilize that. But actually just sitting down and getting quiet. It's been a while since I did it. But yeah. hearing that and what you've been saying, it seems as if there's been a lot of growth on your journey, right? Oh, for sure. How t- to speak to someone and just on personal development and personal growth, and especially from a, a female's perspective, how right. important is that and what does that look like? As a woman now in these days, what is? I mean, you know what? It's like everything is so PC to, like nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like freedom and like the right to like I was, I'll be like, you know, if I have a down moment, I'll be on the shade room looking in the comments, mm-hmm. and it's like somebody will post something like, okay, for example, that sexy red song Pound Town. <laughs> <laughs> no shade to sexy red. It's it like do your thing. I'm proud of you. I know people who are like, I love that song. Good for her. Like, she's advocating for women's rights. Like, she's sexually liberated. Like, you know, yes, I love that. And then people who are just like, as a woman, like, is that inappropriate? Mm-hmm. And so, like, and it's a valid question for, like, for both, both you know, both mindsets. Like, whether mm-hmm. you're for it or you're against it, you can make an argument. So, for me, like... Development as a woman, I think that it's shifting. Like, there's mm-hmm. just, we're coming into a time where, like, equality and, like, roles and responsibilities of men and women, like, I think they're getting conflated a little bit. <laughs> and they? so, for me personally, <laughs> I'll just speak for myself. The last five years, I can see the growth in myself mm-hmm. for sure. I think it started when I went to Spain. I think mm-hmm. I was like 23, 24. This having my mind open to like just different cultures and just different ways of life and just, mm-hmm. just different ways of being, eating, thinking, even just like there were certain days when if it was too hot, you couldn't like, you know, use some this much water. Like mm-hmm. there was just like down to like every single way of life. It was different. I think development happens when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone. So right. for me, I've just been 
you know, the last five years, just doing so many different things. And so I've become, I've learned who I am. Mm-hmm. I think turning 30 also really helped me. I think as a woman, like when you club. hit 30, it's like, oh, you're in your 30s now. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, you're an adult or you're X, Y, and Z. And like, yes, you're an adult. But for me, it was like, I just feel more sure of myself mm-hmm. now. I think that like, and I'm not sure if that's because I've developed or if I'm confident because I developed or if I'm developing because I'm confident. Like, I don't know which one came first, but just mm-hmm. being sure of myself and knowing what I want is really guiding me. So that's mm-hmm. probably the first thing is like, as a young woman, if you want to, you know, develop yourself or your life, or if you want to continue to grow, like knowing what you want is a really important first mm-hmm. step because knowing like where you're going will like help shape, shape your journey. Like if you don't know where you're going to go or where you want to go, like you're moving, but you're not really having any direction first. in your life. I think also just like respecting yourself. And I think that like that means different things for different people and like no judgment, but whatever that <laughs> means to you, like whatever respect looks like for yourself, stand on that. Like mm-hmm. don't don't allow certain things to happen that shouldn't happen. Like don't let anybody play in your face. Like stop playing with yourself, first of all. But like that's where it starts. Don't let people play with you, basically. You know what I'm saying? Speaking and first. so once you once you are on the page of okay, I deserve X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. I should have X, Y, and Z, I'm gonna get X, Y, and Z. Then, like, the journey starts to happen. Like, once I knew what I wanted to do, I knew, like, okay, these are the steps to get there. So being decisive. A part of me wants to say, like, not wasting time. But Mm -hmm. the other half of me believes that, like, life's a journey. Everything happens for a reason. Like, there's a a thing that's divine timing for me. If Mm -hmm. I had went through this program when I was, like, 22 out of undergrad, I probably for sure would not be as committed as I am now because I just wasn't the same person that I was when I was 23. It's perfect so, timing. For trusting sure. timing. Everything happens for a reason. Agree, agree. But yeah, I so, don't know if I answered the question. No, nah, you, right, you did, you did, you did, you <laughs> did. But in, in that answer, you said, so from young you, right? Yeah. And now that you're, and you, you hit 30. Yeah. And now you're, you see, you experience that growth. So, yeah. 30-year-old Courtney versus, we can go back to, let's just say, you go teenage years, okay. 13 through 16. If okay. you had a chance right now yeah. <clears throat> to remove me, right, and you're going to put 16-year-old, 15-year-old Courtney right here, yeah. what would you tell young Courtney right now? Like, what, what would it be, uh, that advice <laughs> you would give to her or that kumbaya or enlightenment? What would your conversation yeah. be with your younger self? Um, let me think about that because I want to give a legit answer. If I could talk to my 13-year-old self right now. So I was 13. I was a freshman in high school because mm-hmm. I started school early. So... I could talk to freshman me. I would tell me just to take life a little more seriously. Mm. Like I think, you know, back to my point of like kind of going through life with all this love and joy. Mm. Like it was a happy, fun time. And like that's kind of what I prioritized was like enjoyment. And I think that there's a space for that. Mm. But I think that the world is moving so quickly now. You know, there are like tech gurus at like age 16, 17. They're starting businesses at 18, becoming millionaires at 19, younger than that even. Um, Just to be a little more decisive. Mm. Like I really was just focused on enjoying my life and being happy. And I wasn't putting as much energy into like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, Mm. what are some things you can do not to prepare yourself for the next step in life? And I would say like, at the same time, I would say like, relax a little bit like everything's going to be okay like there's lots of emotions when you're transitioning lots of friends that you make that you're like you know I shouldn't be friends with this person but it's exciting for Mm -hmm. me it was just like exciting to do certain things like even if I knew I shouldn't have done them like I just was chasing the thrill of like Mm -hmm. certain things 
But I don't know. I would probably just say decide what you want to do. Decide mm-hmm. like who you want to be and just like take steps towards that. I would say respect yourself. I would tell her to just do the right thing. <laughs> do the right thing. Like you know right from wrong. Like you know like what things you should not be doing. Mm-hmm. Don't do those things like for what it's not worth it. Like it's hard to get out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Easy to get into it. Like just... And just love yourself. Like, I think that there's so many, like, when you're, like, you know, going through puberty and you're, you know, your period starting, you're starting to, like, boys. Like, there Mm -hmm. are so many things happening. And God, I think we may have had, like, MySpace back then. So there was no, like. definitely was MySpace Yeah, there was MySpace. So there was, like, the whole social. That was the beginning. Oh, Black Planet. Like, (laughs) that was the beginning of, like, the social media area of, like, comparing yourself. Like, okay, well, I want to look like this person. Or, like, Mm -hmm. I want to have this kind of body style. And also just, like. Make relationships that are going to last, mm, you know? I think that having a friend from, like, middle and high school through your entire life, you grow together. You know, pick, choose your friends wisely would mm. probably be, like, the main, another main takeaway is that people who you surround yourself with, like, they influence how your life's going to go. Mm-hmm. And just to be more mindful of that, um, I probably would have told myself, like, to take the scholarship that she got for winning track. Like, <laughs> oh, I you was, going I down there now? Yeah, up it's now. a lot of things I could have said. <laughs> but the main one would be, like, to choose your friends, mm-hmm. spend your time wisely, do the right thing. Understood, understood, Maybe. understood. So before we get up out of here, okay. um, what I always ask my guests to do is kind of send what you did to now, but, you know, this is, this is you over here. Yeah. So for anybody who may be watching or listening, give them your piece of advice, of course, pertaining to mental health and yeah. just something to help somebody who may be struggling, experiencing some type of trauma, motivate them or try to just give them a, a, a gem of how to navigate this and just whatever will come off your heart or whatever you want to say to them, just speak to your audience and just mm. let them know. Hmm, okay. If someone's watching this, if you're struggling with, whether it be depression, anxiety, whether it be like, you know, low self-esteem, whether it's whatever it is, relationships that are going awry, like one, like you are not alone. Sometimes when you're in the thick of it, it feels like, oh, it's just happening to me or only I feel like this. But like, you're not alone. More people than not are experiencing the same things that you are. The issue is that like, we don't talk about them. People suffer in silence all the time and you don't have to. And so whether it's just like, you know, a friend, a family member that you're close to, someone you trust, a pastor, a professor, a teacher, talk to someone. A professional would be great, but if you're not at that point in your life yet, like don't bottle in your emotions. Also just to... Own your emotions too. Like right now, they're just, life is just uncertain. Like things are happening every day. They feel like we're moving 10 steps backwards and not forward. Their, you know, morals and values are kind of getting a little bit deflated and relationships aren't lasting. And it's a, it's a lot happening. Like it's not just you. Like you, how you feel, like that's your body telling you something is wrong. But it's also not only you. Like we're all feeling the same way. And so talk to someone if you can. Journal if you can. Be with yourself. Be alone in your thoughts. Like sometimes you have to remove yourself and just be alone with who you are um, and who you want to be. And it gets better. People are here for you. You're not alone. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So before you get up out of here, if you got any <laughs> announcements you want to make, anything you got coming up, just let the yeah. people know and also tell them where they can follow you on all your social media. So. For sure. So um, Happy Every Day is a resource that I created. It's a mental health platform online where I share tips. I share funny videos. I'm going to have events coming up soon. So if you're in the Atlanta area and you're interested in any of that, follow us or follow me at Happier Every Day. That's going to be at 
He'll put it probably somewhere on the screen for you. Y'all gonna see it Happier for sure. Happier every day. Uh, my personal page is at Coco Elena. He'll put that on page two, I'm sure. But yeah, let's connect. If you're, you know, dealing with anything that you want to talk to somebody about, DM me, email me, reach out to me. Like I, I enjoy what I do. I love talking to people. I love helping. So if you're alone and you don't have that person, I'm that person for you. Okay. Okay. So look, man. <laughs> again. This was another episode of the Inherited Podcast. I hope whoever's listening and watching, I really enjoyed it. Remember to take your mental health very, very, very serious. But you can follow me on social media at SirGatesPC across the board. And make sure you follow the Inherited Podcast. That's N-H-E-R-I-T-D Podcast. And also the main page at Inherited. So y'all have a good one. Until next time, we'll see y'all later. Peace.